Hey everybody, Jason here. Just want to apologize that this episode is coming out a little bit late. I was on vacation this week, and as you know, we accept phone calls from listeners on what Conan should do all the way up to the Wednesday before the Friday that we release the episode. And since I wasn't at home and didn't have the book with me and all, I couldn't record this until I got home. So there's tons of stuff to do, tons of stuff to unpack, but I am putting all that on hold to get this episode out to you guys. So cross your fingers and hope my wife doesn't kill me. And let's get on with it. Welcome back to Cerebrivore. I'm your host, Jason, from the Nerds RPG Variety Cast. This is one of our bi-weekly bonus episodes. On the bonus episodes, we play listener calls and we go through game books. Today, we're going to continue our journey through TSR's Endless Quest Book 19, Conan the Undaunted by James Ward. But before we get that, I do have some listener feedback. This is from Daniel Norton of the Bandits Keep Media Empire. I did an episode with Colin Green of Spike Pit, and we talked about collecting, how our tastes have changed over the years, culling our collections, um, optimizing our collections, things like that. And Daniel has some thoughts on that. So I'm going to play Daniel's call, and then I also reach out to Colin for comments, so you'll hear Colin's thoughts on Daniel's call as well. So I now relinquish my mic to the gentleman from Bandit's Keep. Hey, Jason, Daniel from Bandits Keep calling in uh, basically about Colin's uh, question or thoughts on collecting and your reply, I guess. You know, it's funny, as soon as he was saying it, I was thinking to myself, that's what happened to me with the game Lords of Creation. I saw it on eBay, or I can't remember how I stumbled upon it, and I remembered having it as a kid, but not really playing it or not remembering it much. And it wasn't super expensive, so I picked it up. Then, as I was reading through it a bit, uh, and it's pretty cool. I, I was like, oh, I got to play this at some point. Let me see what adventures exist for it. And it turns out, as far as I could tell, although maybe you know something different, there was only ever three adventures written for it. And they are kind of like the 007 ones. They're little box sets. And <laughs> those got a little pricey. But I was like, wow, there's only three things written for this, plus the box set, as far as I can tell. With those four items, you basically own the entire system. And that's kind of cool. So my collector vibe went on and I did seek out and eventually I bought the third one for way too much money because <laughs> I couldn't find it anywhere. The first one wasn't too expensive. The second one was kind of expensive. Uh, but uh, any, all three of the adventures are more expensive than the box set. In any case, I, I do plan on trying to play it at some point, but I think that that's a really interesting point. If we can find something and fully encapsulate what did ex- what existed during the time period that that game was live, we'll call it, right? And what can we collect all of that and then basically encase ourselves in the world of that game? You know, it's something you really can't do with a game that just keeps going, right? Like if you look at D&D, I mean, I could say, okay, well, I'm only going to play the stuff that existed before AD&D or something like that. But even then, it's like, can you really do that? It's like a massive amount of information because the game itself is so wide reaching with Dragon Magazine and all these other supplements early on being made. So 
you know, a game like D&D, it's not really possible. I think I have mostly everything for the original Top Secret, but again, they did make another Top Secret. So is that really the same thing? So just from a player point of view or like wanting to uh, engulf yourself in the game, I do think it's a really interesting concept with some of these games that are pretty self-contained. With all the modules names that you read off, I don't think I'm going to get into all of these because as you said, some of the modules are expensive, but I did get Dr. No, so that's pretty exciting. All right, Jace. First of all, I just want to thank you for giving me this opportunity to respond to Daniel, and I think it's uh, good organisation on your part to uh, corral your contributors in this manner and, and, and put together a, a well-constructed episode. Or, Well, I guess that's your intent, and I will do my best to uh, assist you in that. With this calling, so... Um, yeah, I talked about the self-contained game and your thoughts on it, I and mean, it was really good to hear that uh, it kind of captured Daniel of uh, a Bandit's Keep, Daniel's uh, imagination enough for him to call in. Um, yeah, I hadn't realised that 007 had all those box sets for th- those different like uh, movies, and you know the the fact that they are quite pricey is interesting I guess you know it's something to do with the fact that probably there was less of them and the base set perhaps you know they flooded the market with a base set and then you've got less of these scenarios and they're a little bit harder to get hold of Uh, it totally makes sense a little bit frustrating if you're into it and you're you're trying to collect them but that's how it is. I've got similar problems now with my um, my renewed interest in these small kind of paperback-sized RPGs, particularly the the stuff from the early eighties. The some of the UK games like Dragon Warriors, and um, there's a game called Maelstrom. Um, I, I had to pay a, a few pounds. To, to pick up the Corgi edition of Tunnels and Trolls and there's others and I'll, I'll talk more about them on my podcast um, but yeah I'm, I'm not a massive collector but I think that's that's because I I realise I'm a little bit of a completionist so if I if I uh, if I dabble in collect, collecting stuff I know it's a bit of a weakness of mine and I, I, I tend to go all in uh, and it can become a bit all-consuming so I try and avoid it so something like Dragon Warriors where there's only six paperbacks it would still perhaps cost me over a hundred pound but at least I know then I, I, I've got the full package and with with a smaller amount of information and game there it just it seems like a great opportunity to really kind of like relish every detail and 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 delve in and explore it fully safe in the knowledge that you've got a a manageable amount that's quantifiable it's not going to blow up on you and you're not going to get some kind of crazy bloat that you know to be fair a lot of the modern games do have a tendency to go that way. My my feelings with D and D 
is, you know, even though they have got a fairly conservative release of books over a bit of time, uh, it just outpaces my ability to, to run the stuff. And you mentioned it in your podcast. Are you collecting this stuff, you know, in multiple languages, in mint condition, and you, you kind of like putting it on a shelf? Or are you reading it and then putting it on a shelf? Or are you acquiring it? to read it enjoy it get it to the table and everything else i mean it's a totally personal thing but for me the full experience would be of course kind of getting in there using it really exploring it and almost wearing it out that's why i don't worry too much about the condition of the stuff i'm picking it up uh, picking it up in it means i can pay a little bit less i'm not looking for mint copies like museum grade or anything like that I'm, I, I just want tidy stuff that that's not falling apart and that'll do me so um, yeah I, I think it's a an interesting discussion and and thanks uh, I've enjoyed the input from yourself and Daniel uh, as always uh, take care I'm enjoying the podcast and I'll catch you later mate thank you both Daniel and Colin for those calls and I kind of fall with Colin here by the way, Colin has recently done an episode where he talks about those paperback size RPGs and goes more in depth. There's a link in the show notes. I believe it's called State of Play, but it's in the show notes to that specific episode where he talks about those games. I really am with Colin here. I've collected, so like Advanced Fighting Fantasy. I've got all the original Advanced Fighting Fantasy books, and I paid a lot more than 100 pounds for them. In, in fact, I had to get at least one of the books I had to get from Australia to get a copy of. And and I got that a few years ago, but, and, but some of these games are attractive because there is less to collect like boot Hill and gangbusters. Luckily I collected those well before the current boom and in, in collection or collecting. So I got those for a decent price, but I've got everything for boot Hill and gangbusters. I've got everything for, many of the lines for Masterbook, not all the lines, but like Tales from the Crypt, I've got everything for that, and I've got everything for uh, Necroscope. Um, but yeah, and some of those lines I've collected, not because I've ever played them or ever I'm going to play them, but because I was able to collect the entire line, which is kind of crazy when you think about it. Um, but there are other things, I'm definitely like Colin, that I want to read it, I want a usable copy, I don't need a pristine copy. And I'm very happy with the fact that in today's age, a lot of these games are now available PDF and print on demand. So, like, take Tunnels and Trolls, for example. I got into Tunnels and Trolls back in the day, 5th edition Tunnels and Trolls. I've still got, I think, two copies of the 5th edition rulebook from back in the day. And I've got the Mercenary Spies and Private Eyes from back in the day. But, in fact, I'll talk about Mercenary Spies and Private Eyes over on Nerds RPG Variety Cast sometime soon, maybe next month, maybe in June of 2023, because th there's some interesting stuff there. But as far as collecting goes, say I didn't own Tunnels and Trolls at all, and I was curious about it, I would be fine buying the PDF of the older rules, like the first edition rules, printing that out or getting that on printer and demand, and having that as opposed to buying a copy of it. I would be, you know, buying an original copy of it. I, that would be fine with me. I am perfectly happy with modern print-on-demand, provided that the text is correct and provided it's not been photocopied to the point you can't read it.
but that's fine. I want a usable copy. I don't need an original copy. So that's kind of where I come down on that. Although some of these games I've collected, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Like Roos. I've got everything made for Roos, which is an Australian game about playing in medieval Russia. <laughs> um, and I don't know why I bought those. And, and I don't know if it will ever see the table. So that's a crazy collection thing that, that I don't know why I've done it. But I've done it. So who knows? Um, anyway, thank you so much for those calls. I really appreciate it. There are links to the podcast for both Colin and Daniel. And there's also a link to Joe's because Joe voted on our Conan thing. So I'm going to play the votes of our listeners on what Conan should do next. But before I do that, let's talk about where we're at in the story. So what we're doing is we're reading through James Ward's Endless Quest book 19. This is published by TSR. This is Conan the Undaunted. And Conan and his companion Kilta, this is young, like, teenage Conan, he and his companion have come across this dying knight, this Aquilonian knight, and, and they, they've taken a quest on, a, a death quest from this knight, to go deliver a message. And so they're trying to get around this camp of march riders and Bassonians, and in trying to skirt around they've come across this young lady about their age and she is arguing with them on what direction they should go. So that basically catches you up to where we're at. So let's hear the votes on whether they should continue going the direction they wanted to, or if they should listen to this young lady they've come across. All right. Conan always getting himself in a pickle there. Well, I mean, I think this one is fairly easy. He's going to, grunt and go with the girl because he's definitely not going to leave somebody especially not a woman who he knows will surely be picked up again by the riders to her doom uh, you know conan's got a soft spot like that even though he doesn't like to show it okay that was daniel norton's vote now we're going to get joe richter's vote joe does the hindsightless podcast and he commented on the youtube channel and you can vote you have a variety of ways to vote here folks you can Go to the Spotify for podcast website for the show and vote there. You can comment in the YouTube channel on the YouTube videos. There's a SpeakPipe account you can send a message to. You can send an email to cerebravore at gmail.com. If you attach a voicemail to that, I'll play it on the air. There's a variety of ways, and they're all in our show notes. So check the show notes out. They've got all the ways to vote in there. And they have the deadline. Your deadline for this next voting is going to be the 31st of May, 2023. But I'm jumping ahead because I need to read Joe's vote. So let me read Joe's comment from YouTube. These choices are getting tougher. As I write this, I'm listening to a character in the Wastelands talk to another character about Robert Howard and Conan. Coincidence or Ka? And aside here, Joe is a huge Stephen King fan, and he's been rereading some of the books in the Dark Tower series. Okay, back to Joe's comment. Anyway, while Conan is dedicated and determined, he is also a lusty young lad. If a beautiful handmaiden needs Conan's help, then Conan's help she shall receive. I vote we help get the maiden to safety. And then I asked Joe to clarify, so go the way she wants, back the way you came. And Joe says... Yes, we can either follow her back the way we came, thus helping her get to safety, or leave her to her own devices and continue without her. Conan, being a lusty young lad he is, would 
never leave a defenseless young maiden to suffer the hardships of being alone and unarmed in the wild. Plus, Conan's all about taking this young lady to Bone Hill. Smiley face. So, both of our contributors today have voted to follow her. So let's see where that takes us. It would be better to take the girl's advice. Just because she's a she doesn't mean her ideas are bad. She does make sense. We'll try it your way, you tell her. Let's hope you're right. Shalandar looks relieved. I am right. You'll see. Only one problem develops as you walk among the black blocks toward Bone Hill. You hear a sound like a wolf panting. Motioning the others to silence, you peer out and see a lone Bosonian guard and his war wolf. The wolf doesn't look as if it came into the ruins willingly. It whines constantly with its tail between its legs and its head bowed. The wolf even sees you, but it ignores you. It takes but a few moments for you and the others to sneak around the pair. The man could be handled, but wolves are hard to get rid of, as you now well know. He's probably not alone, says Kielta, catching up with you. They must have discovered that Shalandar is gone by now. You set off again, weaving back and forth through the maze formed by the tumbled black stones. You slow as you realize that you are unsure of your location. Only an occasional glimpse of Bone Hill tells you that you're somewhere near the center of the wizard's city. This part of the city is not quite as ravaged as the rest. Sections of large walls still stand. You run along one and come to a small open area that might have been the town square. Across from you is a castle tower that appears to be whole. As you approach it, the sound of riders behind you warns that the enemy will soon catch up. You must hide somewhere. The only entrance to the tower that you can see is a green door carved with strange symbols. As you head for it, Shalandar shouts, Stop! Don't open that door! Why? you say angrily. We've got to get up the tower. I've heard about that tower. The door is magically guarded. If you try to open it, you will bring our deaths. You search her face, then make a decision. You better be right, girl, or not opening the door will bring our deaths. Climb the wall, Kielta. Your friend seems to read your mind. He smiles and starts up the wall. Smaller and lighter than you, he quickly scales the small tower and tosses a rope down. You hand it to the girl. I can climb, she says indignantly, but you cut her off. There's no time, you insist, and looping the rope around her waist, she grabs the rope and Kielta pulls her up. As you follow and climb over the parapet around the top of the tower, you see a band of twenty march riders enter the clearing in front of the tower. Shalandar ducks down to hide, but you and Kielta stand with the courage of barbarian warriors. Come on up, dogs who eat grass, Kielta shouts. Let's see if you know how to die bravely. The armed riders look up, startled, and you know what they see. Two poorly armed and unprotected young fighters jeering at them. Come and fight, riders of donkeys, you roar. We'll take all of you on at once. You aren't fit to lick our sandals. We come, children, shouts the leader, but your deaths will not be quick. You two men, throw open that door. 
Hearing the command you've been waiting for, you hope Shalandar's memory for legends is accurate. Now you'll learn what type of magic still guards the ruins of the Black City of Wizards. Two warriors ride up, leap from their horses, and run to the door. You can't see what's happening as they thrust it open, but you hear a howling sound and thunder. The screams of men reach your ears, and you shiver. A soundless flash of light bursts from the door and turns the riders' two horses to dust, scattering the remains to the wind. The other riders react in terror, staring into the open doorway with pale faces and open mouths. I was hoping it would kill them all, Kilta, you say, raising your spear. It looks as if we will have a good last fight. Kilta doesn't reply. You look back at the scene below, and your blood turns to ice. The stone blocks behind the march riders have begun to shimmer. As you watch, the blocks bulge out and shape themselves into man-like figures that crawl forward into the square where the riders are. The warriors, stunned by the deaths of their comrades, fail to notice the dark presences until too late. The rock creatures surround the terrified riders. Each monster then grabs a rider and his horse and drags them completely into itself. No arrow, sword, or spear thrust can stop them. Within seconds, all sight and sound of twenty march riders and their horses have disappeared into the black stones. The monsters then reform into blocks and stand solid and silent again. The wizards guard their tower well, you say, shaken at what you have seen. After a short rest, you begin to climb down the outside of the tower. Sighting on Bone Hill, you set off for it and hope you'll see no more of the riders. But soon, you find there are two mounted guards standing in the path leading to Bone Hill. They weren't there before. They must have plotted to block your escape. You sit down to plan strategy. After what we've been through today, you tell Kilta, disposing of these two should not be much of a task. Wait, Shalandar whispers. Why should you attack these two men when we can simply climb the rocks near them and get past? There is no need to risk yourselves. Fighting these two isn't a risk, Kielta points out. But she may be right, Conan. Leaving them alive may keep any other march rider from realizing that we left the valley. They'll keep off our trail. Okay, listeners. What should our heroes do? You have two choices. If you prefer to eliminate the two guards, that's option one. If you want to sneak on past and leave the Bessonians guessing, that's option two. So, should you take out these two guards and keep on? Or should you sneak past so they don't know that you're there and so those two guards being absent won't tip off the rest? Let me know you have till the 31st of May to get those votes in. And all the way to vote are in the show notes. So thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. And until next time, be excellent to each other. we